Let's recap all of the action from Sunday in the NBA. There were six games on. Let's talk about everything we need to know for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and they told me all of my cages were mental so I got wasted like all my potential. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. You can find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply thank you also for making locked on fantasy basketball your first listen every day we are free and we are available on all platforms do you want to be with me here being a double banger because you can you just got to listen to the audio and then you come across and watch the video and you do it vice versa and on the video side you thumb it up you subscribe your notification bell and you go down and leave your comments. And remember, Trade Deadline Show live Thursday, February 8th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Go ahead and pre-like it. I want 1,000 pre-likes now. We've hit 500, which I thank everyone for. I want you to put it in your calendar. I want you to get the notifications cracking, but I want 1,000 pre-likes. You can go do that. That's your triple bang for today. Special Sunday triple bang. Go pre-like the um, uh, pre-game show. Or not the pre-game show. The Trade Deadline Show. It'll be linked up the top here. We are here to talk about the action from Sunday across the NBA. All six of those games, we'll get straight into talking about the news that we do know. Uh, Cade Cunningham's been upgraded to doubtful. We heard that it would be five to seven days for him to return, so them upgrading to doubtful is probably a little bit earlier than that timeline, but it is good news that you know, it insists to us that he's going to be back this week. We'll see what happens with an Alec Burks or a Jaden Ivey. I think Ivey needs to be held, and Burks will find out. Um, Trey Young is officially ruled out. We knew that would happen. He was in the concussion protocol. We're going to get more usage, obviously, for DeJounte Murray, more assist opportunities, more minutes for Bogdan Bogdanovich. You're going to get more shot attempts for Sadiq Bey as well. And then you probably get Paddy Mills getting some backup minutes. Um, you also have a number 15 overall pick who has played four total minutes for the season. You might want to find at some point a chance to get him some minutes. I don't know. That, that, might, be, that might be just me. I'm not Quinn Snyder. I don't know how things are looking for old mate Kobe Bufkin, but you would think at some point on a team that's terrible when one of your guards is out and he's allegedly untouchable in trades, you'd want to play more than four minutes. What do I know? Nothing, apparently. And the other one is Jaime Jaquez is uh, without a timetable to return for the Heat with that groin problem that has been so annoying for him. I kept him out the last couple of games and I'll guess he's out for the rest of this week. I don't think that you need to hold Jaquez through this. In a points league, 100% you can move on. In a uh, in a category league, I get it. If like, Obviously, with open IL slots, you put him in there and it's all good, right? But in a situation where you need those slots, I don't think that it's a necessity to hold on to Jaquez in a 12-team category or a 12-team points. In 14, probably yes. In 10-team, definitely not. And 12, I, I don't really think it's going to be necessary with a healthy Bam, a healthy Jimmy, and a healthy Tyler Hero as we currently sit. That's where we're at. Let's have a look at some lineup changes that did take place. Uh, Markel Fultz replaced Caleb Houston. Wendell Carter Jr. replaced Gogo Badadze. And Franz Wagner uh, jumped back in to replace Trimra KK. So the Magic were running with uh, one of their more preferred lineups. Dan Gafford came straight back in and started over Marvin Bagley. So the concern about that was unfounded. Sam Hauser replaced Drew Holiday in the starting lineup for the Boston Celtics. That was with Al Horford out as well. 
Houston was missing Fred Van Vliet and Jabari Smith. So Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore, their two first-round picks from this season, they stepped into the starting group, which is uh, very interesting. In Indiana, we had, for God knows what reason, Tyrese Halliburton resting. And TJ McConnell started. We had Anthony Simons replace Matisse Thibel in the Portland lineup as well uh, after Simons missed the last game due to illness. And lastly, in LA, we had uh, Torian Prince resting because of a sore knee. So Rui Hachimura stepped in there. Not, uh, not Jared Vanderbilt, but they stuck Rui, Rui Hachimura into that starting group. So let's go into the games. Let's talk about the first game that is on deck. It is the Brooklyn Nets taking on the LA Clippers. And this was pretty disappointing, I, I would say, overall. Uh, for the Nets, who were up decently big. And the Clippers ran, went with a really small ball lineup where the, the center was, I guess, Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or Russell Westbrook. And they pounded him. Ended up getting the win 125-114 for the Nets. Mikael Bridges was much better here. 26-6-5 with four threes, a steal and a block on 53% shooting. And Spencer Dinwiddie got 30 minutes in a row for the uh, third straight game. 16-2-7 with four triples on 67%. Now, we only took nine shots, Spence, but the minutes are back up, and that at least puts him back onto the radar. But let's also get it clear. He's not even a top 130 player this season, Dinwiddie. And, um, yeah, he's just not a great category league player. Dennis Smith only got the 18 minutes and scored 13 points with no defensive stats. This is like a reverse Dennis Smith game. Normally, he's the low points guy who gets you some assists and steals and blocks, and he had 13-3-1 with no steals, no blocks, and shot 75%. That is not what you signed up for if you streamed in Dennis Smith. Not to say it's bad, it's just not what you wanted. Nicky Claxton had 16-6 and six with two blocks. And then we go to Cam Thomas, who, again, it always looks good when you see 20 points. He played 27 minutes, he had six assists. But I still maintain that he was shit house. Like, was he good? Like, no. T down the end, I thought he was atrocious. He was a negative 19 by far, the worst on the team. He can get a bucket. We know this. He gets a bucket. Is the game called bucket? Or is it basketball? I don't know. Is it about who can get a bucket while everyone else scratches each other's assholes while he sits around, doesn't try and defense, and just goes hero ball one-on-one, one-on-five? I'm being too harsh, I know. Or am I? I thought, he was, I thought he was bad in this one. I, again, do not believe that Cam Thomas is a must-roster player in category leagues. Points leagues, I do get it. These points explosions help. But in a category league, I don't think we need to. And we've got to have a real conversation about what on earth is going on with Cam Johnson. Nine points, 29 minutes, six assists is good. Like if I, let's start with a positive. His assist rate is up. I don't know why, but it is. But he can't shoot 27% from the field. He can't hit free throws. This is a man who's like an 84% free throw guy. He's one of two here. I think he's like 50% over the last three weeks. I, I'm not sure we need to hold him. Get that garbage out of here! It's like, he should be better. He should improve his shooting. I, I'm not convinced though. We're getting to the stage where you're going to have to make these hard decisions in a season. And that, maybe that's not even that hard of a decision to move on from him. He is strugg struggling in a really big way. For the Clippers, let's talk about Russell Westbrook because I know that I've already had multiple people. See, Josh, see, this is why you hold on to Russell Westbrook, which is really, really interesting to me. I'll, I'll talk about Westbrook here because he was great. But also those people who say that, they don't pipe up and say anything for the 30 other shit games that he's had. But my point with Westbrook is that when he moved to the bench and they limited his minutes, they played much better which is undeniably true. It is also undeniably true that Russell Westbrook was fantastic in this game and was a key reason for them winning. That is true also. And we did mention that when Zubats went down, there were going to be more opportunities, I thought, for them to give him minutes because they didn't have to play Zubats out there. And we'll talk about the centers in a second. 23, 9, and 6 with a triple one. So the three games here for Westbrook without Zubats, one good, one not good, and one very good. That puts him back back on track. And that confusion we had around the centers 
is definitely there and he pushes into it because the plum dog, the big fella, the cockroach, played 28 minutes last game after he was on a minutes limit and they went, all right, let's roll him out again for 15. So now I have no idea. I thought that we'd go grab him because they were pretty adamant. Yeah, look, he's going to be on low minutes here and yeah, we'll ramp him up slowly. And then he played 15 minutes and had seven and eight. Of course, he did not block a shot because he's terrible at it. And this was the, the thing that we wanted to watch. What do they do? Do they run with the Tice-Westbrook combination? Well, they didn't even do that. They just played Westbrook at center. Honestly, that's what they did down the stretch. Norman Powell came in. Was Powell the center? Was George? Like that's And that was always going to be that risk with Plumlee. I thought the risk was a little bit nullified given those minutes last game, but apparently not. And if you want to hold on to Plumlee, you can. And if you don't, get him out of there. Tice had another two blocks. That's five blocks the last two games. Not Obviously not a must-roster player, Danny, but those block numbers and the, the what do you have, eight and three? Like there's a little bit there for those deep performances. Paul George, just brutal shooting. 12 points with one assist in 29% with two threes in 36 minutes, while Harden had 24, five and 10 with two steals. Now Kawhi Leonard was ill before this game, so he definitely wasn't at his best, but towards the end of the game, he took over. He had 21, four and four in those 37 minutes. Just so the Westbrook fans don't get upset, I'll go back and reiterate. This was very good from Russell Westbrook. And if they play him 27 minutes on, he's very clearly a must roster player. The thing was, they weren't. They weren't playing him those minutes at all. They couldn't. It wouldn't work with him playing those minutes. And I know I know it is hard sometimes for Westbrook fans to understand there is a difference. But someone said, man, of course he can play with a non-shooting center. Look at what he did with his MVP season back with Steven Adams or back when he played with Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, eight years ago. He's not the same player anymore. And again, very, very good. And there is this possibility they run small a lot more given Zubats is out. And that makes it, it does increase the viability of Westbrook. But as a long-term thing, no, I just don't think it is. I, I, I think that's relatively fair. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm not being fair at all to the big Rustafa. Let's, um, well, let me tell you that today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs 2024, the year of the dragon. Is it also the year of the small business? I don't know. That's a tenuous link, but whatever. We're here to talk about small businesses and the importance of hiring staff. Because with LinkedIn Jobs, you can get your job ad in front of so many different people. It's not another job site. It's LinkedIn. You know about LinkedIn. Access to over 1 billion professionals. And small business owners have said that they can get a qualified candidate replying to their job ad 86% of the time within 24 hours. Instead of wading through nonsense, you just get fast, actionable information that can help you get your business to the next level in 2024. So... Why don't you go and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA? That is linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. And you can post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. That'll bring us into the second game of the day after the uh, that early one that we had. Who is the second game of the day? It is the Miami Heat and your Orlando Magic. Play the song. Uh-huh. 105 Orlando, 87 Miami, the final score. That is a very comprehensive victory for Orlando. And they finally went back to that starting lineup that they've been wanting to use really all season and haven't had a chance due to injuries. We'll talk about them in a sec. Let's talk about the Heat. No Huckers, obviously. Bam had 22, 11, and 7, and Jim had 15, 4, and 2. Only 29 minutes for Jim Butler. Um, just, he's not himself, is he? And I'll, I'll pose this question out to all of you guys as well. Someone tweeted this to me and they said, Josh, you're, like, you're a bit worried about Jaron Jackson um, and you want to trade him for a top 50 player. Would you accept Jimmy Butler back? 
I went, you know what? I'd probably accept almost any player back except for Jimmy Butler. I'm just shit, absolutely shit scared. Not only is his production not a lead at the moment, but I'm very shit scared of anything about him and his lower body falling apart at any point. So that's almost the only player that I wouldn't accept that back for. But would you? If you had Jaron Jackson, would you accept Jimmy Butler back? Let me know. 15-4-2 for Jim in 29 minutes, while Caleb Martin played 31. He had 11-4-4. Four four. Now, Martin probably doesn't do that each night, especially when Harkers returns. He's a nice 14-team league guy. Duncan Robinson, still rostered in an absolute shit ton of 12-team leagues. Guys, I think you could move on there. Six points with two steals with no triples on 17%. He's fine as a streamer, not in 76% of them, though. Tyler Hero struggled 12-1-2 with four threes, and Nikola Jovic played 15 minutes and had two points. They are continuing to start him, but I just I don't think he's going to play when Huckers returns. Speaking of not playing, Josh Richardson played nine minutes, three points. Yuck. Kyle Lowry on the bench had two points in 25 minutes. You don't have to hold Lowry, you don't have Love, and you don't have Richardson in 12-team leagues, and you probably honestly don't have him in 14-teamers either. Haywood Highsmith got a bit of a bump. He had five points with two steals in 25 minutes, but that's just deeper league stuff. Their roster, I don't know how they've been winning because it's not very good. They're just a bunch of like nothingness through the bench in that starting four position. For the Magic, like I said, they went with Fultz, Suggs, Wagner, Bunkero, and Wendell. And the two big performers here were Markel Fultz, 12-1-4, two steals and two blocks. He played 30 minutes, went back to 23 minutes, and now started and played 29. That's it. Let's just go at him. And Wendell played 34. 17-9, 64% with the three. Now, Wendell's last three or four games, he's shooting the lights out. Like He's not going to hold at that level, but he looks back to regular Wendell. And the fact that he's now starting, we are 100% in on, on adding him if he's available. What was interesting is Goga Badadze, who's been one of the best players according to advanced stats all season, especially defensively, um, which is taken out of the rotation entirely. I would have kept him as the backup, but they used Mo Wagner in that position as well. Really interesting. I think that means you can very easily drop Goga, except... Get that garbage out of here! Jack. Except, I don't know whether Wendell plays tomorrow. So if Wendell is out, Goga's worth holding. And then if Wendell is in, well, then we can move on. Suggsy had 11-4-1. He is teetering. On being a drop, I am still holding, but he is moving backwards pretty quickly. And Franz Wagner had 19-2-5 in his return in 28 minutes, and Paolo 20-10 on bad free throws, but good field goals. Um, Ingles played 17, Isaac played 14, and Chumra KK just got garbage time minutes. Uh, Caleb Houston played just uh, five minutes before garbage time, and Goga didn't play at all again. Incredibly surprising that Goga would go from 23-24 minute starter to a zero-minute player. Um, I'm, I'm not sure whether that holds, but you know what? They held the Heat to 87 points. They beat them by almost 20. Hard to argue with those results. It's just It was just a surprising result. Denver taking on the Washington Wizards. On Orlando, they usually give us... Just back to that, sorry. They usually give us usually pretty quick information regarding who's in and who's out for the game on a back-to-back. So I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of this show... I do have the information whether Fultz or Ingles or um, Wagner or Carter are resting or or this or Isaac. There's like five of them who could be in or out tomorrow. So I should have that information hopefully by the end of the show. Denver at Washington, not a lot to talk about with the Nuggets. Jokic had 42, 12, and 8 with three blocks. Just a ridiculous game. Michael Ponder had 9 and 6 with two steals and two blocks. Mm. And KCP did his thing with three steals. He had 10, 3, and 3 and added three steals. That's what he is. He's a steals guy with a relatively secure role. We have a quick conversation about Aaron Gordon, though. 
Get that garbage out of here. Oh, that's the conversation, is it, Jack? All right. He had uh, 11 and 10 with three blocks. Now, the three blocks is really nice. The double-double's fine. But he continues to shoot horribly from the from the line. He was 43%. He was 4 of 10 from the field. He's had a, I think last game was like an 0 of 6 or something. Like He's really struggled in some of his games from the field goal uh, percentage category. I think in a lot of cases, he can be moved on from. He doesn't have to be dropped in points leagues. He, he does remain a hold, but in categories, it is very borderline to me. The headmaster, Jamal Murray, had 19, 5, and 7 in his 39. Their bench doesn't really do much for anybody at this point. On to the Wizards. Let's talk about the centers because Gafford returned. He played 30 minutes. He had 15 and 7, two steals and a block, and you breathe a sigh of relief. There are a lot of whispers around Daniel Gafford and trades. I just would refuse to believe most things, honestly. When you hear these whispers coming out of trade time, we've probably had 40 names bandied about. There might be 10 guys that get moved, maybe 12 guys that get moved, and there's no guarantee that Gafford is moved. And honestly, what are you going to do? Like, if you've got Daniel Gafford and he gets traded into a situation where he plays 20 on minutes, what are you going to do? Is someone going to buy into trading for him now to get out of it, which might not even get you any benefit from, like, it might not get traded, so what do you gain? A lot of these situations just, I think we stress it, well, should I be worried? Sure, but you mustn't have anything else super worrying to go on with your life. And I know we're talking about fantasy, but a lot of this time, you just can't control that shit. And expending so much brain energy on like, well, what if Daniel Gaffer gets traded? What if he goes here with a help or hurt? Like, it just doesn't... What do you do with it? You don't, you don't do anything with it. So I think most of the time, just think that most of the rumors and shit that you hear, it's just not going to happen. That's the vast majority. It's just not going to happen. And it's why I'm not actually putting a huge amount of effort this year into any trade deadline staff stuff because it has to be stuff that, like, I could I could fake a show, and maybe I will, for engagement, for content, and put it up. These are the trade deadline stashes that you need to win your league. And then I'll come in and go, yeah, probably none of them, yeah? Because I think that's how I feel. Last year, I was adamant with about three of them. I think I hit two of the three, or, or I got three out of four, right? Because they stood out. This season, nothing really stands out. We'll see if that coalesces in the next couple of weeks. What this means for Bagley, 14 and 7 is nice. I don't want to rely upon notorious shit player Marvin Bagley playing 17 minutes a night in a bench roll for my 12-team league. I will not rely on that. 14 and 7 is good, but this was a Bagley. He had 14, 7 and 1, no steals, no blocks. He actually hit all his free throws amazingly. Um, it was 56 from the field, but I don't think that that's worth holding. He's a backup. He's Marvin Bagley. And I just don't think you want to do that in a 12, necessarily. Because we needed to get the answer, and we did. What was interesting is Bilal Kulabali closed the game over Denny Avdia. Bilal played 31 minutes. He had nine points, but he had four blocks. Without the four blocks, it's a very pedestrian line. But he got him, so it's good. I think we just look at him still as a streamer. While Avdia, who'd been playing well, did not. He had four, eight, and three. Hold him. Speaking of not playing well, you know who I'm talking about. What is up with this dickhead? Jordan Poole. Four points, one rebound, zero assists, 100, 100, no, not 100, 14% shooting. Now, you said, man, this guy's been terrible. Okay, he's still 140th over the last two weeks, including this absolute shit stain of a game. He'd been, and before this game, he was 100th over the last two weeks before this. This game knocked him down 40 spots. So, who, who is on the wire that is better? Who is on the wire that has higher upside? Who is on the wire that is more annoying? Probably nobody. So what do you do with, with Poole? Like, it's getting to that stage where I have no hope of him turning it around, really. But it's also just about, would, would you be dropping him just because you're pissed? That's possible, yeah? And I get it, 
but does it actually benefit your team? But I'm also getting to that stage where I, I'm, I'm not sure that he turns anything around. Why doesn't he take any shots anymore? Where are the assists? Where is any? Why can't he hit free throws like he used to? Why has everything disappeared? Just a disaster of a season. Disaster. Kuzma, 17, 6, and 7. Cool. And Tyus Jones had 15, 2, and 13 on 43%. So after that red-hot stretch that Tyus had hitting every single shot in the world, that has obviously cooled off because it was never going to hold, as we're well aware. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp 2023. Here we go. Um, it's done. But 2024, it's not even on the horizon anymore. We're smack bang right in the middle of 2024, and we need to work out what we're doing. And that sounds flippant, but sometimes we need a little bit of guidance to help us do the right things to help us improve our, our lives. Now, therapy is one avenue to be able to do that. You don't want to go out there and make sweeping proclamations. I'm doing this for 2024. 2024 is the year of 30 handstands per day. And then by the third day of the year, you go, what am I doing? I'm not doing this anymore. You've got to make small, reasonable, realistic changes. And talking with a therapist to try and set those goals to do slow, positive improvement is a really important thing, I think. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's flexible and it's suited to your schedule. You do a brief questionnaire. They match you with a therapist. And if you don't click with that guy or girl, well, they just get you a new therapist, one that hopefully fits you better. So... Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Go to betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the NFL playoffs. They are also wrapping up. But there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Could you have placed a $5 bet on FanDuel that the Bills would miss a field goal wide right in the playoffs? Well, if you did, you would have won, but it doesn't even matter. Because even if you lose the bet, you get $150 in bonus bets back. The app is so easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet. Live same game parlays, uh, finding bets in the Explore tab, and of course, the Parlay Hub. We all love a Parlay Hub. You can check other people's parlays. You can put your own parlays in there. You can amalgamate your parlays and their parlays to create a super mega duper complex parlay. It's all possible over on Fangio. So go to fangio.com slash locked on and make your first better layup. Fangio is an official partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. All right. Do you want me to tell you a little... I don't know if it's a secret, but do you want me to tell you like a little sports betting thing? You know why, you know why Fangio wants parlays? It's because they're not like a very profitable way of betting. I think that's why. I think you would talk to most professional gamblers and they'd be like, just try and... I know it looks good trying to hit this 13-leg parlay for a big payout. In the end, it doesn't end up working out for you. So I would, even though the Parlay Hub exists, try some other bets. You got other, if, if you are, if that's the way you're going to go, that's the way you're going to go. All right, all right, all right. What are we going to do now? It is the next game, which is, of course, the Boston Celtics and the Houston Rockets. The Celtics were without Holiday, without Horford. Um, so Porzingis went crazy. 32 points, six triples, 33 minutes. He had five blocks on 55%. A great way to end the week as they win 116-107 with two uh, let's call Horford a starter. He's not really, but he is a starter. With two starters out, Luke Hornet steps up. That's been a common theme. Eight and 10 with three blocks. Keep an eye on that for future dual starter rests. Maximum Derek White had 21 and 12 with two blocks on 45%. He took 20 shot attempts, Derek White. While Jalen Brown had a triple-double. 13, 11, and 10 with three steals. Just a weird game. 
Derek White leading the team in shot attempts, Jalen Brown triple doubling, and Jason Tatum pissing on your on your percentages. 18 and 7 for Tatum on 24% from the field and 75 from the line. Tatum has been a under-discussed, huge disappointment in fantasy. Not as big as your mate, my mate, mustache baddie legend Jordan Poole, but pretty bad because he was a universal top, uh, let's say, seven pick. A guy that some people would take as high as two because, oh, he's never going to get hurt, guys. Um, And yeah, I even fell for that a little bit. Not really. You know I don't fall for the Iron Man nonsense, but this man's per game is shithouse. His percentages have dropped. Everything's down. 25th for the season. That's not good for a guy that was just every time getting picked at the very worst seventh in drafts. Not good. Pick it up, my guy. Sam Hauser started here at 3 threes. He also had seven rebounds and six assists. I don't know where that came from. But with guys out, he was able to provide some numbers. And Pritchard had nine, two, and five with two steals. The Celtics are not a very interesting team from a fantasy basketball perspective. All right, the Rockets. They made the change. Van Vliet was out with back stiffness. I think he'll be okay. Jabari hurt his ankle at the very end of Saturday's game, and he missed. No word whether he's going to miss anymore. And then we don't also know the status of Tari Eason and Jeff Green. Now, they don't play until Wednesday, so just keep that in mind when we're making moves here. But they started Cam Whitmore, and they started Amen Thompson. Amen, 32 minutes, 15, 13, and 5, 50% shooting, 83 from line. I'm telling you, this guy is going to be a fantasy beast. But, but... Is there any possibility of 32 minutes a night for a man Thompson on this team? I don't really see it. Van Vliet, I don't think it's going to be a long-term injury. Maybe Jabari's out, but this needed um, Fred to be out for uh, a man to do this, and he was great. He's one to watch. He's one in anything slightly deeper that you can grab, but it didn't work out. Like I don't think it's going to be every night that this happens. The Whitmore one definitely didn't work out. He only took seven shots. He had five points in 27 minutes. He had a steal on a block, but he has been playing better. He's still probably more of a 14-team league guy, but if Eason and Smith remain out Wednesday, I'd be more than happy to go back to the Whitmore streaming well. Jalen Green, uh, Jollibee Jalen, had 16, 4, and 5 in his 32 minutes. Bad from the field, bad from the line, and honestly, I think he's just bad. Like, 16, 4, and 5 is not it's not terrible. Okay, bad is an overstatement, but is he bad? Like he's not very good at fantasy. We know this. He's not a good category league player. He's 185th for the season. That's not a must roster player. So if you want to get Jacken, get Jacken. Get that garbage out of here! Shingun triple-double, 24, 12, and 10, while Brooksy had 25 and 5 with four steals and five threes. He is a perfect stream guy. But even that elite game brings Brooks to 185th over the last two weeks. So we know this is not going to be that guy the majority of the time. The next game we look at the... That's the wrong button, but I'm going to hit it again because I want to hit the right one. The Indiana Pacers and the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix wins 117-110. I want to talk about Indiana here because Tyrese Halliburton rested because of hamstring injury management. Now, I there's a couple of things that I don't know. And all I can take um, is the information that Rick Carlisle produced on face value. When he said, this is no setback. This is just part of his return plan of injuries. I call the biggest load of bullshit ever. The biggest load of bullshit ever. You are well aware of my stance on NBA teams and players rushing back from hamstring injuries. Tyrese Halliburton came back from an injury, which looked bloody severe, which was supposed to be reevaluated in two weeks. He came back before the reevaluation process to play a game on Friday, because of what? Because it was Siakam's first game. And then why is he sitting this game? It's not a back-to-back. They didn't play Saturday, Sunday. They're not playing Sunday, Monday. How was that possibly part of the plan? You'll come back for one game too early and then sit one two days later and then have another day off to rest. Why, why wouldn't he have not played on Friday, 
then had Saturday off, and then started and returned on Sunday. I can only believe, Kylo, that was no setback. But bullshit. Like, bullshit. This is rid- What kind of a management plan is this? I could... Maybe it is totally fine. But the optics of a guy coming back too early from a hamstring injury and then sitting a random game after one game back is horrid. To be clear, I, I, can't, I, be, I believe them. I believe them. But I also don't. And I'm also a little concerned. And even if it's nothing, I'm still like questioning why would you do this? Where is the logic in it? Maybe I'm just completely missing something. Anyway, what the hell do we take out of this game? Because Carlisle said, all right, cool. We're going to play everybody. We're going to play the dumbest lineups you've ever seen. We're going to go super small and play three power forwards at a time and no centers. We're going to run without a point guard. I don't know what you take out of it because McConnell started. He played 12 minutes. He had four points. See you later. Get that garbage out of here. Matherin had four points in 14 minutes. Get that garbage out of here. Neesmith had six points in 26 minutes. Not jacking him, probably a hold. And then Sticks had 15 points in 19 minutes with two blocks. And you go, that's great. But I'm not trusting Jalen Smith to be a 12-team league player playing 19 minutes as a backup. I am adding Buddy Heald, 18 points in five, with five threes in 31 minutes. And then Jarris Walker, he played the three. He had 18 minutes, 10 and nine. He's been very, very strong the last couple of games. And honestly, over the last two weeks, he's the 100th best player in fantasy. I don't know how. Well, I do because he's been getting extra minutes. But I thought the arrival of Siakam would just kill him. But they played Siakam at center. So... I'm not adding Walker, but that's really bloody interesting, isn't it? Miles Turner played 19 minutes. He had 12 and 2. There were, again, some weird funny buggers going on here. It wasn't foul trouble. It was diff- uh, Nurkic in foul trouble, small lineups from the Suns, and them running with a bench unit that just absolutely cooked, and they just they just roll with that. But, man, like, how do you trust it? Obi Toppin had 13 and 6 in 26 minutes. Nempard had 25 minutes for 9 points. Siakam had 15, 4, and 7. Ben Shepard played 20 minutes for 4, 4, 4. The Moses Malone with two steals. I'm not chucking all this shit out, except I am watching Jarris Walker. I am adding Buddy Heald. I'm not adding Jalen Smith. And I just hope we get a level of normalcy from this team because this is a bullshit game. It's just all over the place with this rotation, and it's definitely worrying. I am not holding Matherin. I am probably holding Neesmith, and I'm not adding Nembhard or Toppen. And I just hope Halliburton's next, back next game, and they didn't dick him over with an early return. I am worried, but I, I hope it's okay. For the Suns, Durant, 40-9 with three blocks. What do I say? Like, that's just ridiculous. He didn't take a free throw somehow, but shot 72 from the field. Bilo, 25-4-3 without a triple, but 69%. Lovely. And Grayson Allen had a quick early locker room trip, but came back and had 13-2-2. Remains must roster. Not a good efficiency night from Devin Booker, but he had 26-6-8 with two steals on 38%. And Nurk had, uh, well, he fouled out in 19 minutes. He had 4-13. and But on a night where you foul out, getting those numbers are okay. And as is tradition, we got jack shit out of the rest of this team. Eric Gordon had four points in 30 minutes. He shot 17% from the field. He is only streamable on the days where you just are desperate for someone to maybe get some points in threes. And then it's just the nonsense of Metu and Bates Diop and Akogi and Eubanks who are just sort of all over the shop every game. Next time, it might be Watanabe or Nasir Littleface or the return of Bol Bol or Yudoka Reza Biuke. There's just so many guys that they can chuck two or three minutes into that I just don't care about it as a general rule. 
All right, let's do the final game of the night. Bit of a beatdown here. The Lakers beat the Blazers 134-110. Malcolm Brogdon, 33 minutes and basically didn't play the last six minutes of the game. They pumped a lot of minutes into him. 23-7-9, and I'll keep reiterating it. You sell this for a top 100 player. Shaden Sharp is out and would have been in this spot. I just don't see Brogdon, A, staying healthy, B, being on this team, C, being in his starting line. But I have been wrong many times before. In fact... Brogdon was playing 16 minutes a night, then everyone got hurt and he was back starting. I don't know what their purpose is here, but he's putting up numbers. So you go back to him and then you try and sell. Dwight Reith played 22 minutes. He had 16, 3, and 4. That's really good. But there's something to really, really important to note here with the Blazers. Three minutes into the game, both um, DeAndre Aiden and Jabari Walker got pulled off giggity. They took them straight off because they were like minus 10 in those three minutes. And that is why you will see Reith's minutes up and why you'll see Aiton and Walker's minutes way down. So look at those Reith minutes and go, that's interesting, but don't really buy it. And that brings us on to Walker, a guy that I've been pretty interested in adding. 30-minute-a-night player who I think is going to be a starter moving forward. And even though he got benched three minutes into the game, he still ended up with 12 and 7 in 22 minutes. And for me, that's a very clear hold. Now, I don't know about you, and people will have very, very quick triggers on Jabari Walker because they don't know who Jabari Walker is to begin with. And they're just like, oh, he played well. Let's try it. Oh, he's shit now. Let's bench him. I'd like to give that a little bit more. Again, I don't think the rotation is going to be you come out of the game three minutes in. He still ended up with 22 minutes. So I will give it a bit of time. Simons had 19, 2, and 3, and Jeremy Grant, 17, 3, and 3. But again, just a, a huge, huge blowout here. We haven't got a, a, someone by the name of Taze Moore. Taze Moore. Played four minutes for four points. Rayan Rupert had four points. And Scoot, oh yeah, Scoot, uh, John Armstrong. Get that garbage out of here. I'm not really that worried about Scoot long-term, but for this season, like if, if it gets better consistently, add it. If it doesn't, drop it. Consider him a streamer for now. He had four points on 17% in 23 minutes. Um, on the Lakers side, again, they crushed. D'Angelo Russell is on an absolute hot streak. 34 points in 34 minutes, 6 triples, 8 assists, 2 blocks, 67% shooting. You can love D'Lo as much as you want. That's fine. Your prerogative. Do whatever you want to do with him. That's all good. But he's at like 58% shooting over the last two weeks. It's going to cool off. And remember, before he got benched, he was also playing terrible. He is a hot and cold player who is riding hot, dominating at the moment. I still think there's a huge chance he gets dealt. Um, but I'll be trying to sell high on him hugely. Anthony Davis had 14 and 14. LeBron had 28, 5 and 5, just regular numbers. Actually, pretty low for Davis, but he didn't need to extend himself. Reeves had 15, 4 and 2, and Hachimura started with Torian Prince resting, and Rui did a Rui thing. He had 9, 2 and 2, which was shithouse. Yet he is still rostered in too many 12 team leagues. And by too many, I mean one. Like, that is way too many 12 team leagues for Rui Hachimura to be rostered in. He's just not a very good fantasy player, and honestly, He's not a very good real-life player. I know people will love him, and I don't know why. I don't really get it. I've never seen it with him. Am I biased against him? Probably. But I also I also have eyes. And there's not much else to take out of this game. Again, it was over very, very quickly, and I think that's probably all we need to talk about there. So we don't need to do a stream of the day recap because there was no stream of the day from yesterday's show. So what we can do here is we can go straight into looking at our um, lines of the night, and we'll just go straight to the Monstrous. Who do you think the Monstrous is going to be? Well, I think you can see on the uh, video thumbnail who it's going to be because it is the big fella, Big Chungus. Nikola Jokic, just a 42-12-8 and eight, um, combo with blocks and percentages up the wazoo. That's what he does. The waiver wire line of the night, one of my favorite players ever, 
gets. I'm so happy to be presenting this to him. It does go to Dylan Brooksy Brooks, who had 25 points with four steals. Really great stream guy. Not much more that you want to uh, do apart from that. Texas uh, Ludort with a strong game there. The young gun of the night, the best performer from a first or second year player. This one is actually, I think, someone who's going to develop into one of my favorite players. And it's Brooksy's teammate. It is Amen Thompson, who had 15, 13, and 5. I would love for him to play 30 minutes a night. I don't really see how it's going to happen. So therefore, I'm not super interested in a grab in 12-team leagues. But bloody hell. Um, super impressed by his last couple of games. And the dud of the night, someone I am not super impressed with. And he had a particularly poor game once again. And I don't believe he should be a 12-team league player. And that is Humpty Dumpty himself, Ben Matherin. Four points, three rebounds, zero assists, sub-20% shooting. He might be a points league guy, but I'm not even certain of that. In category leagues, I just wouldn't be bothered in uh, in most cases. Now we can go in and have a look at the top six players of the day. We'll start with the top six players across category leagues. Of course, we do because number one is Big Chungus Nikola Jokic, followed by Kevin Durant, Kristaps Porzingis, Jim Harden, D'Angelo Russell and Alperen Shengun. Your top six players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Dylan Brooks at the top, followed by Amen Thompson. We just spoke about them. Luke Cornett is an interesting streamer when two starters go down. Christian Wood, jump back up, but you know, we're a bit hesitant on using him, I think. Markel Fultz, I just think we've got to add him. And then Jalen Smith, who did his damage in limited minutes, which was great. More of a 14-team league guy than anything else. Your top six points league players, number one was... Nikola Jokic, followed by Durant, Porzingis, D'Angelo Russell, Alperen Sengun, and James Harden. And la- Yeah, Obi, Obi, no worries. Let's have a look at our little takeaways here to end things. If Buddy Heald's available, I would add him. If Marco Fultz is available, I would add him. If Wendell Carter Jr. is available, I would add him. So not names that are super available everywhere, but they are floating around on some spots. Fultz still 50% available. The two guys that I would consider drops are the two centers who were sort of fill-ins, Mason Plumlee and Marvin Bagley. Plumlee still could have value because he might not play 15 a night, but with Gafford back, Bagley's the reserve. Someone said to me, and I talked about this in one of the shows yesterday, I think it was, when I said, just listen to the words of what Bagley says, because you know, there, there are people who will see Marvin Bagley, they'll look at him on the fantasy side and they'll go, well, it's got power forward center eligibility, so why doesn't he get power forward eligibility? And I said, listen to the quote from Marvin Bagley when they talked to him. They said, are you excited to be playing with Daniel Gaffigan? Yeah, can't wait to really think we compliment each other. It's going to be great. I think we're going to provide really great minutes at center for the Wizards. And like that flies under the radar, but that's literally exactly what happened. They played all those minutes at center only, and Bagley hasn't really played powerful minutes ever in the last like two or three years, despite what his fantasy position designation will tell you. So yeah, I don't think he's getting those minutes. All that's to say is Plumlee's minutes could go back up. Don't really see how Bagley's are going to go up. Now, what we can go into to end the show is we look at the uh, week 13 update across industry pickup and my other leagues. So I was against Noah Rubin this week in industry pickup and I mismanaged my game count, which was annoying. I ended up with 38 games, but you know what? Your boy didn't need the other two games. 40 game max, didn't even need them. Just smashed him 6-3. So that is a pretty strong W for me. What about in the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl 9 category league where I made my first trade for the fantasy season? Someone offered me D'Angelo Russell in exchange for Aaron Neesmith. I sat on it for an hour. I went, yep, I'll take D'Angelo Russell there. And I did, and I loved it. So I beat Michael Jordan of baseball 5-4. He'd beaten me two times already this season. Good to get the W there. And I lost to the Suicide Squad 5-4. And then I got knocked out last week in the FBI World Cup, so I'm out of that one. And then the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl Points League. How did I do there? I think I might have split those contests. Let's have a quick squiz. Um, 
Democracy Manifest smashed in beating you. That's a huge one, like 500 points. But Pound the Rock beat me by 40 fantasy points. You dickhole. Ah, uh, that's annoying. Anyway, so I split those 1-1. One, one. So let's go back and do, well, let's do an update on the standings now. We'll start with the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, and then I'll go through and show my Yahoo League and see. I, I think I won that one, but we'll go and have a look to see how that matchup went. So where that's not the right league. This is the right league. don't know why that would flip to a league that wasn't the one I was highlighting. We're in the um, bo- uh, Points League division, and that is not working, and I'm going to pause it because where is the Jason Kidd division? That's what I'm in. All right, now that's fixed. So there I am, third in there with a 16-10 and 10 record. Pretty happy with that. Let's look in the category league, um, Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl, where I, I think I was second heading into today's matchup, and I split those ones, or even it was a 9-9 overall um, in the main Red Claws division. Where am I here overall? Let's have a look. Sometime today. There we go, third. Oh, I dropped down a spot. Bowl of Swallowers jumped ahead. And then lastly, the standings. I'm going to be first here. Yeah, industry pick up on my head by four games over Drew Dinkmeyer. Let's go back to the scoring. What were the over? How did I get to four up on Drew? I'm happy with that. Did he lose today? Let's have a look. Uh, Rhett Bauer beat. Oh, he did. Rhett beat him 5-4. W, Rhett Bauer. Kingy beat Mike Katrin 5-3-1. Mike Barner beat Barutha 5-4. Uh, B-Dub beat Reclean 6-3, and Dan Titus's winning stretch is over. He lost 5-4 to Mitch Casey. So in my Yahoo League, I was up against Joel Bartolotta, who was third, and I'm fourth, and I beat him 6-3. Yes, this is going to push me ahead of Joel, and I'm going to go into third. I am very happy with that. Now, what I need to see is how did the second team go? Well, I'm a long way behind that. Uncle Drew's Flat Earthers, which I believe is Jared Johnson. Um, he had a 5-3 win, so I'm not going to catch him, but that will push me into third in that. I was uh, 12th in that league for the first four weeks. So just a little bit of early patience, some early injuries hit me. Um, I actually lost Evan Mobley in this league as well, and now I am roaring home, roaring home. Pretty happy with how that is looking at the moment. All right, so that's our industry pickup and my league update for the week. Oh, yeah, uh, 30 deep. I got smashed. My team is cooked in that league. I'm, I'm done. Uh, lost 2-7 in my matchups there. That is that is not going well. Uh, not particularly well at all. All right, guys, that'll do it for the end of the show. Don't forget, follow this podcast and do all those things and double bang it. Subscribe, thumb up, notification bell. Check out the Live Trade Deadline show. Are you going to be the lucky banger that gives me the thousandth like? I'm sure you are. Go and do that. Guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.